Welcome to the Connected Mom Podcast, where we have real conversations helping you to connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your fellow moms, and more intentionally with your child. I'm Becky Harling, your host, and today we're going to talk about a topic with you moms that I know is near and dear to your heart that of rest. Some of you are saying, oh my word, I need to stop everything I'm doing right now and listen to this because Lord knows I need some rest. Many of you are exhausted. I think I've talked to at least five moms in the last month who have told me, Becky, I am just so tired. And so today we have a very special guest with us. We have my dear friend, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She is a medical doctor. So I need to say that first and foremost, because it seems like if you're going to talk about rest, we should get a doctor involved. But she's also a best-selling author, and I love her book, Sacred Rest. I've actually used her book with coaching clients, and uh, it is just one of my favorite books books ever on the whole topic of rest. She has all manner of degrees. She's been a guest on, uh, in featured in Women's Day, Red Book, First for Women magazine. She gave a TED Talks, which we'll try to have that in the link so you can listen to her do her TED Talk. She's a member of the Christian Medical and Dental Association and has been a keynote speaker at a whole bunch of their events. I could go on and on, but welcome, Sandra. Thanks, Becky. It's so good to be here with you. Yeah, it's so great to have you with us. And we are going to talk about rest. I mean, I just, I'm so excited about this because as I say, I've had at least five different conversations in the last couple of weeks with very tired mamas. So let's start by first asking you, what is the difference between rest and sleep? Yeah, they, they're similar, but they're definitely not the same thing. I think for most of us, when we lump the two together, we basically exclude the different types of rest that we need. Most of my research is focused around seven types of rest, with those seven types including physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And so sleep really just sits into the physical bucket. And even with that, it's only the passive form of physical rest with there also being an active form. So if you put all your eggs into the sleep basket, you're basically omitting all of the other six types of rest because you can't get, let's say, for example, social rest, which is the rest you get when you're around life-giving people when your eyes are closed in bed. Mm, so there's certain yeah. types of rest you will never experience when you are sleeping. Yeah. Well, and on the other hand, mamas of infants and toddlers are thinking, yeah, but if I could just have a little sleep, that might help. <laughs> In fact, one of my daughters asked me recently, mom, when did we sleep through the night? And I said, you know, I had to think for a minute and I said, it was different for all of you. And one of you, I don't think she slept through the night until she got married. And even then oh, wow. I'm not sure if she <laughs> sleeps through the night. <laughs> so, I mean, we do need sleep, but let's Absolutely. talk about some of these <laughs> other types of rest. Okay. So you talk about spiritual rest. What even is that? Does that mean well, you take a break from God? 
No, that's a, that's a great point to start with because rest, when I say rest, I'm not talking about just cessation activities. I'm actually referring to what are the things you do to pour back into the places that have already been depleted. So we're mm-hmm. looking at not cessation activities, but what are the restorative processes that you have in place to pour back into your life? And so if we're looking at spiritual rest, one of the things that I think is important to to differentiate is there's time that we need to be studying God's word and there's time we need in devotions and scriptures and all Mm -hmm. of those and going to church and all of those things. But a big part of that is to make sure we don't lose the opportunities for intimacy with God so that we're building relationship because the, the spiritual rest aspect of it is more relational than it is religion. And so to make sure that we are building that spiritual relationship with God. Uh, okay. I love that. And I, I love the way you talk about rest being restorative. So I want to, I'm going to jump around between these seven types of rest. And okay. the one that I'm thinking about right now is sensory rest. Okay. Let's say there's, and I know a mom like this, let's say there's a mom out there with five boys, a football's always going on through the house, the TV's going. I mean, how does she practically get sensory rest? You know, I, I think of different moms I've talked to and they're like, I just need some quiet because there's so much noise in the house. What does sensory rest look like? Yeah, that you you bring up a great point because sensory sensory rest deficit, which is what it sounds like this, these mamas have, um, is a deficit in sensory rest because they are constantly being sensory overstimulated. A lot of us are in sensory overload syndrome. We have ongoing light, sound, smells, tactile things happening all day long. And so the reprieve of that is looking at what are ways that we can downgrade the sensory input. So some things you can't as easily extrapolate, like I might Young, my oldest son had colic. So he cried nonstop mm. and it, he cried mm. nonstop for probably a full year. So I couldn't mm. get rid of babies crying because that was the sounds that right. were going on in the background. However, I could turn off the notifications on my phone so that I don't have extra sounds and bells and whistles and things going off at the same time. I could limit my amount of bright lights within the house so that I'm not having that as an additional sim- sensory input for me or him. Um, So there are things that we can do to downgrade the sensory input. We can't always downgrade the specific one if it's like a colicky baby. But then look at what are the other ways that you can downgrade sensory input. Because sensory rest is that reprieve from the excessive amount of sensory overload. And so any of the senses you can start decreasing, you know, the input, you'll start noticing improvement. Now, as the kids get older, because I know sometimes parents are working from home and they have kids that are homeschooling and, you know, mm-hmm. different things going on. You can do something as simple as having some noise cancellation earbuds that you put in your ears for 30 minutes. You know, your eyes are physically on your children, but your ears don't have to hear every sound out of their mouth. You can <laughs> yeah. blunt it down a little bit. Same as you would if you hopped on an airplane, because I people who travel a lot, I recommend they do yeah. that. Get on the plane, put your you know, you don't have to even be listening to anything. I'm talking about just the noise cancellation, just to put it in, just so that you can decrease the amount of input you're getting from the auditory sound. So a lot of different ways of doing that. And then, you know, as far as just a moment of, of just reprieve altogether, sometimes it's helpful as a parent, you know, when you have those opportunities, maybe your spouse or your mom or somebody else is there that can watch the kids just for a moment, just to go and lay on your bed with the noise cancellation ear, mm-hmm. earphones in and your eyes closed. Just five minutes of noise and, and visual, you know, blackness 
can reset the system. And sometimes you don't need these gigantic blocks. You know, you as a mama, sometimes when you have little ones, you can't take some major sabbatical, you know, or, you know, go on a vacation every time you need a break. It has to be stuff you can do integrated within your everyday life. So small moments of restorative activities build up to help you start feeling more rejuvenated. Yeah, I I really love that. And I, I, so, okay, I have to bring this up. We've brought it up before on the show, but for some of our moms, you know, they are on sensory overload. So then they're maybe at the park with their kids, but what are they doing? They're scrolling Instagram and Facebook and all these things, but that's another form of stimulus stimulation, right? Sensory stimulation. And that can be exhausting, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think for most of us, uh, the majority of our sensory overwhelm is perpetuated by our devices. And so Mm. whenever you can either time block, like things like um, email, checking emails, Look, scrolling through your social media, a lot of those things should be timed blocked if we want to be able to kind of mm. not get into these cycles of doing it all day long. We have periods yeah. of time that we do it so that we stay up to date, but we don't feel like we're trapped by it. You know, and the other thing with our, our devices, I mentioned the notifications, a lot of us have ongoing stress responses because we get so many notifications throughout yeah. the day. And so yeah. simply turning off your notifications so that the only notifications you get are your actual phone and your text messages, which are, you know, if the school needs you, that's how they're going to get in touch with you. They're not going to send you a DM in your Instagram or something. (laughs) You know, they're going to actually call you like, or text you like normal people. So if you leave those two on and turn off all the other notifications, you can still keep the, the app on your device, but you then regain control and you stop allowing the app to push you stress at its discretion. And you get to choose when you want to look at your social media or your news app or whatever it is. And you take back some of that stress load that those things are, are really pushing into your life every time you get a message. Yeah, I I really, I think that's such an important conversation, you know, because, uh, you know, even 20 years ago, people didn't have cell phones, right? I sent my kids off to college without cell phones and you know, never thought about it because we didn't have cell phones. And I realize now how much that's changed. So I know for me, for sleep at night, I turn my phone on, do not disturb at night, you know, because I know, okay, if there's really an emergency, my kids know they can call twice and it'll break through that, but I'm not hearing dings from notifications all night long, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. exhausting. So let's switch and talk about emotional rest for mamas. I mean, You know, some moms are in maybe a marriage and maybe that's not going well right now, or they have a lot of worries about their kids. Maybe certain ones of their children are not doing well in school, or they may have challenges, behavioral challenges. How in the world does a mom get emotional rest? Yeah, well, I'll talk about emotional rest and social rest a little bit together because they both deal with people. And I find that typically moms struggle with both of them at the same time. Because if you're really wrapped up in that child raising season, especially if you have little ones, it can seem difficult to find time to get away to connect with other moms. And so one thing that we're seeing a lot of moms benefit from is, you know, you don't have to have some gigantic support circle, but you do need to have some people in your life who you feel the liberty to just be very 
open, honest, and authentic about what your feelings mm. are so that you're not carrying the emotional labor of feeling like I can't truly express how I'm feeling. I have to hide it from the world or hide it from mm. everybody because nobody mm. understands. We need those people that we feel like they, they get me. They understand what I'm going through. So whether that's, you know, one mom that you hang with or whether that's a therapist or a counselor uh, or a pastor or, you know, whomever, it's helpful to have someone or some people in your life that you just feel the liberty to release that with. And, you know, if you are in a situation where you really feel like there isn't anyone, some people do experience emotional rest through journaling, being able to mm. write those authentic feelings down so that mm. they can express them that way. Some people experience emotional rest by you know, releasing their emotions onto the canvas or writing music or writing poetry mm -hmm. or painting mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. But we all have to have a release. You can't keep your emotions kind of blocked in. And, you know, if you have tendencies like people pleasing type tendencies where you have a, have um, learned the habit of suppressing your own emotions for the sake of others, which some moms do very naturally, mm -hmm. you can carry quite a bit of emotional labor which is, which is draining and stressful in itself because you're constantly kind of suppressing your truth in an attempt to fit into what somebody else desires and plans are. Mm -hmm. Those are such great tips. And I, you know, I think too, friends are important, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about. Safe people are people that you can just kind of laugh with when it all blows up, you know, the chaos around the dinner hour. I mean, Sometimes you just have to laugh, right? Because yeah. it is going to be a mess. <laughs> That's <laughs> that know? social rest part of it. The social rest are the people. So the yeah. social rest is looking at your relationships and, and really evaluating, you know, who are the people in my life that are life-giving, that are pouring yeah. back into me? Because yeah. it's very easy for relationships to become one-sided as a mom where you're always on the giving mode. You're always giving. Mm -hmm. You're always pouring out. Then you have to evaluate who is pouring back into me. And, you know, if you got little kids, your, your kids and your spouse can pour back into you, but usually it's after they get to a certain point with your kids. When they're little, they, they can give you love, but they need more than they can pour. So, yeah, so you're sure. going to need to find that somewhere else. And it may be your spouse, but even your spouse has a little bit of a give and take. So it's, it's a great um, kind of mindset to start thinking about who are the people in my life who don't need anything from me? who I just enjoy mm -hmm. being around and they enjoy being around me and we have fun together. And then mm -hmm. making some a, de a decision to find some way to connect with them, whether that's mm -hmm. through a Zoom or a phone call or, you mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, Marco Polo app or whatever it is, some yeah. way that you're going to yeah. connect with them. And that is uh, excuse proof because yes, the kids can have a cold and vomit all over everything, but you know, you could always text your friend and say, girl, this is a hot mess in my house right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and yes. be able to have someone where you can at least express that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So let's switch gears now and talk about creative rest. What does that look like in motherhood? I mean, I, you know, you, a lot of times moms might think, well, I'm not even creative, but moms have to be creative every day. They have to be creative about the discipline they come up with. They might have to be creative. You know, you get that teacher in school that all of a sudden you don't realize it. And they're like, yeah, your child needs a costume this Friday for whatever. And you're just like, oh, I can't even. So talk to us about creative rest. 
Yeah, create create what you're describing is uh, the reason why so many people have creative rest deficits is because they are using a lot of creative energy just in the problem solving and, you know, thinking outside of the box with everything from schedules to homeschool plans to, you know, everything that they're doing. And so creative rest is then looking to see what are the things that actually spark your inspiration and creativity. So for some, it's natural things like the ocean, the mountain, the flowers, the trees, the sky, the clouds. For other people, it's man-made beauty, things like Mm -hmm. art or music or theater or dance or whatever. So we have to evaluate how are we inspired? What actually kind of awakens that childlike awe and wonder inside of us? You know, one of the things that I found when I was writing Sacred Rest is some of the research on this was extremely um, exciting because... For myself, I get creative rest when I'm around bodies of water, but I don't live anywhere near a body of water. Mm. And one of the research showed that people who experience that can get a similar effect when they look at images of the things that bring that awe and wonder to them. So put That's pictures cool. in of like, um, you know, oceans or whatever it is that you like on your screensaver, on your phone or your computer, or even having like a nautical theme within your house. It even showed that like people who have like, if they, if they associate with the water being calming and relaxing to them, if they painted their room colors of the ocean, so the blues, mm-hmm. the teals, the aquas, that they would have a similar feeling of relaxation, renewal, and peace, and that creative kind of renewal that occurs just by making some s- slight shifts like that. So lots of different interesting things that came out with creative rest. I, I love that. I, um, I realize as you're talking, I also love bodies of water. I live in Colorado, so we don't really have a lot of them. We have the mountains, which feeds my husband. Um, but we have pictures of the ocean in our bedroom and I love that, you know, so every now and then I might just go in my bedroom and look at the ocean for a few minutes Mm -hmm. and regroup, you know, before I get on to the next creative adventure or before I write the next chapter or whatever. So I, I love that that's possible for us. And I would think for moms that that's especially essential, you know, those moments where, you know, holy hallelujah has broken out in your house, just taking a little break and looking at a picture of an ocean and regrouping and then coming back to face whatever, you know, that's going on in the house. Um, So Sandra, in the book, you talk about a time where you were very tired. Talk to Mm -hmm. us about that. Yeah, it was when my boys were both toddlers. So it was a very long time ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were, I had two kids under the age of two. And was still working, you know, full time, beyond full time, an internal medicine physician who works inpatient and outpatient. Mm-hmm. So it was like 40, 50, 60 hours a week that I was working. And I just remember coming home one day after picking them up from daycare. And, uh, you know, I walked in the house and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, God, these are the kids I've been praying for like my entire life. You know, yeah. pregnancy was not easy for me and my husband. So it's like, I've been praying for these kids. I, I'm so happy I have them. And I don't have any energy to even enjoy the blessing that you've given me. Mm. And I think that really is what kind of opened up my eyes. I think, you know, when you get to a point where, you know, God is blessing your life, but you don't even have the capacity for the blessings anymore because you've Mm -hmm. just allowed yourself to get to a place of burnout and exhaustion, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to regroup and kind of reset. And God took me through this um, journey through Isaiah 30, 15, where he, in, in that he says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved and quietness and trust shall be your strength. But the last sentence of that is what really got me. And it said, but you would have none of it. And I mm. think for me, 
that's when it turned more from like, I need rest. It's like, it's, it's on the table before me, but I'm just refusing it. And I had to start evaluating what is it about rest that I'm running from? Why do I resist it? You know, I had a lot of trust issues with God. I felt like if I didn't keep moving and doing stuff, then things wouldn't work out. I had a lot of issues with how I viewed rest. I felt like rest Mm -hmm. was what you did after the work was done. And that's Mm -hmm. not biblical. Rest is actually Mm -hmm. what you do so that you're equipped to do the work. You know, Mm -hmm. so there was lots of mindset shifts that had to happen. And so, you know, that was that was where that journey came from. And it came during the time when I had toddlers. Yeah, that which is so relevant, I think, because the journey of raising toddlers is at times exhausting. And then you were working full time on top of that. And then, you know, for some moms, they are out of the toddler season, but just, you know, if they have multiple children, scheduling challenges. And so talk to us a little bit about schedules. I mean, you you want your kids in sports because you want them to be able to enjoy it. You know, I see extremes in motherhood, right? I see moms who are like, well, you know, we're going to homeschool. We're not going to put our kids in anything, you know, but then, you know, your kids maybe don't get to enjoy some of the uh, activities and the creative things or the sports that they would like to enjoy. So, you know, how does a mom find a balance with all of that? Because in there beyond school or activities, you've got to fit in. I mean, you're a doctor, right? So you got to fit in doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, you know, eye checkups, the whole thing. How does it happen without moms becoming exhausted? I think it's important to to first kind of sit down with your child and evaluate their schedule. I think oftentimes we get let our children get trapped into the same I started it. So I got to finish it mindset that we, that we sometimes do. But you know, just because your child did football this quarter doesn't mean that he wants to do it next year. Or just because they played um, tennis or, you know, piano or in the band doesn't mean they want to do it every single year. So I think we need to allow our children to have the ability to make choices about their schedule that may not always align with what we want. Because yeah. sometimes I find that kids are, are feel as if they're forced to stay in something because the parent likes it and likes the whatever it is. Maybe it's the social gatherings that come with whatever that is. I don't know. But the parents like the situation and they're reluctant sometimes to let the child give up something that the child's already determined is a season they don't want to remain in. And then to mm. also, if you have a child that is the opposite of that, who's like a type A, they want to do all the sports, then mm-hmm. to bring to their attention, if you noticing signs of burnout, because sometimes what I'm, what I find is that a teen will feel as if I should do, you know, I should do a fall sport, a spring sport, a winter sport, you know, I should do all these mm-hmm. different things ever, you know, I should, um, I should have be on all the teams and all the clubs and all the things. And you'll notice that they're getting more and more depressed, more and more anxious. They're having a harder time mm-hmm. sleeping. They're having a hard time keeping up with their schedules. When you're noticing signs of burnout, bring it to their attention, not as a judgment, but as a, hey, let's take a look at what your schedule looks like. And let's see if there's certain things now that maybe you don't find joy in them the way that you used to. And you can actually free up that time so that you can have more time and more energy for the things you really love right now. That Mm -hmm. is how you model for children how to be adults that don't burn out. Because most of us never learn that. And so Mm -hmm. we get trapped in situations where we feel like we have to keep going in the same flow, 
even though we we realized God has long left the building in that situation and we should have probably left too. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking I had a conversation with my daughter. I mean, all my kids are adults now, right? And we have 14 grandchildren. Um, so it's an amazing season of life. But I had a conversation with uh, my oldest daughter the other day because she was remembering, you know, in the beginning, uh, she was the firstborn, you know, so as a parent, you want them to have all these experiences, right? So she was in piano and swimming and she had church activities. And I remember when she hit a certain age, I think it was like 12. And she said, I don't want to take piano anymore, you know, and because she loved sports. So she wanted to give more of her attention to swimming. And I remember thinking, okay, you know, I wanted her to take piano, but this is her desire and her choice. And it actually freed me up because I didn't have to worry about scheduling the piano lesson. Right. So she gave that up. I remember another daughter saying, you know, I don't want to play soccer anymore. I really want to get into dance and musical theater. So she shifted towards that direction. And I, I so I think it's really important what you're saying to listen to our kids. And, uh, you know, for, for me as a mom, because we had four children and my husband's schedule and my schedule were pretty full. We had to sit down with the four kids and say, okay, we want to accommodate your needs and our needs. So everybody can do one activity outside mm -hmm. of school, as long as you're still involved in church, because church went along with our core values, you know, so we couldn't have, you know, when you have four kids, you can't have them each doing three different sports, or there's just not enough time, you know, right, <laughs> so right. just making some <laughs> of those choices is are, are really important, I think, for parents. Otherwise, parents are absolutely exhausted and your kids are exhausted, you know? So in the middle of all of this, how do you keep your energy up as a mom to keep investing? And I realize some of our moms are single parents and my heart goes out to them because, you know, I was blessed that ha to have a husband who was very involved in the parenting process, you know? Uh, but I do want to bring this up for just a second. How do you stay emotionally resilient and physically resilient so that you can invest in your marriage as a mom? Yeah, I think a big part of that is prioritizing yourself in the process. It's, you know, sometimes it feels, you can almost feel guilty by saying, you know, I, I need a break. I need to take a moment to mm -hmm. do this. I need to do this restorative activity. But I think when you really think about it, you know, uh, there's, there's always that thought process of, you know, if, if on the plane, they tell you to put on your parachute, you have to put yours on mm -hmm. first. You know, that really is the reality of our lives. You know, if you are burned out, how are you going to continue to serve your family well? Mm -hmm. If you get to the end of yourself. And so we have to recognize that really to be the best version of ourselves, that we have to honor our own need for rest and to make room and space in our lives for that. You know, I love um, I had a conversation with uh, Mark Buchanan and he's the author of The mm -hmm. Rest of God. And he made this mm -hmm. comment to me one time that. He's like, you know, many of us, you know, we look at the Sabbath and we think, well, you know, if I get around to it, I'll have time. And he made mm -hmm. this comment that the Sabbath is like a snow day because that's mm -hmm. how we should approach it. You know, when there's a when you're a kid and there's a snow day, it's like mm -hmm. you are so excited to enter into that day. He's like, if we ever got to the place of entering into the Sabbath like a snow day, it, it would change people's lives. And so I, I, I would 
encourage moms next time you see your children on a snow day when schools close and you see that eyes light up and they're like, yay, and they're having so much mm-hmm. fun. Try to enter into the Sabbath like that. And, what, and not that it has to be a full 24 hours. Can you spend one hour doing something different just for you on that day? Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, go get a pedicure or get your nails done or take a walk with a friend or have or take coffee a long with shower. a friend. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Or a hot bubble bath. I have one daughter who is like, I just need a break. I'm going to go take a long hot bubble bath. So yeah, well, this has been delightful, Sandra. Thank you for joining us today. And I know there's so much more we could talk about around the element of rest. But for our moms, I want you to remember that rest doesn't mean just taking a good long nap. It's what restores you. And so think of it like that. I want to encourage you to get Sandra's book. It's called Sacred Rest, and it is phenomenal, girls. So make sure you get her book um, and go through it. Maybe even do it with a friend so that you can talk about the different types of rest that you need. Sandra, would you pray over our mamas, especially those mamas that are absolutely exhausted? (laughs) God, I thank you so much for your gift of rest. God, I thank you that you have given us each an invitation to come to you when we are weary and that you've extended rest to us and you didn't put any limits Mm -hmm. on that rest. You extended it openly. And so, Father, I just pray that for every woman who is exhausted, who is um, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausted in whatever way she feels drained, God, that you would just open up her eyes to be able to receive your hand of invitation extended to enter into times of rest, to enter into times of, of refreshing and reprieve and, and reset. Mm-hmm. And that during that, she understands the legacy that she's leaving with her family as she models what it looks like to be a well-rested w- woman. Father, mm-hmm. I thank you that rest is something that you give out daily, you give out lavishly, and you give it out in whatever in whatever container we allow, whether that's large blocks of time or small sips of time. God, I just pray that each woman drinks freely from your river of grace as they enter into the rest that you have for them. In your name, I pray. Mm. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, Sandra. Hey, friends, thanks for joining us today on the Connected Mom podcast. And hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, would you please share it with your friends? Because again, here on the Connected Mom, we want to encourage you to connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your fellow moms, and more intentionally with your child. So we'll see you next week for another episode of the Connected Mom podcast. Hey, all you moms out there, this is Becky Harling, and I love creating resources to help you connect more empathically with your child. One of those resources is a book that I wrote called How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. One of the greatest skills you can cultivate, really enhance that connection with your child is the skill of listening. So how well do you really listen? This book is loaded with practical ideas to get your kids talking and to help you as you listen. You can buy it wherever Christian books are sold. You can order it on Amazon or anywhere else. So I hope you'll get a copy of the book and put the work into listening to your child.